0: Trek Companion, this is episode 156. I am your host, Brian Williams.
1: I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry.
0: And today we are discussing the original series' first season episodes Tomorrow is Yesterday, Court Martial, and The Return of the Archons. Here we go.
1: Tomorrow is Yesterday, Season 1, Episode 19, Production Code 021, Original Air Date, January 26th, 1967, Directed by Michael O'Herlihy, Written by D.C. Fontana, Music composed by Alexander Courage. Guest cast include Roger Perry as Captain John Christopher, Hal Lynch as Air Police Sergeant, Richard Merrifield as Technician, John Winston as Transporter Chief Kyle, Ed Peck as Air Force Police Colonel Fellini, Mark Dempsey as Air Force Captain, Jim Spencer as Air Policeman, and Sherry Townsend as crewwoman. The Enterprise is thrown back in time by the effects of a
2: high-gravity black star to Earth during the 1960s. The Enterprise ends up in Earth's upper atmosphere and is picked up as a UFO on a military radar. A U.S. Air Force interceptor piloted by Captain John Christopher is scrambled to identify the craft. Christopher is surprised to see the strange craft above him and is ordered to stop the Enterprise from escaping. Captain Kirk uses a tractor beam on the jet, which accidentally tears the plane apart. Kirk orders the pilot to be transported aboard the Enterprise to save him.
1: What's going on here?
0: Where am I? What happened?
2: You people, who are you?
1: All in good time, Captain. Meanwhile, Let me apologize for bringing you aboard the ship
0: so abruptly, but it couldn't be helped. I didn't know that your craft couldn't stand up to our tractor beam. Don't give me any double talk. Just tell me who you are. Adam, why don't you kick us off on tomorrow's Yesterday?
2: Um, I remember this. To me, this is kind of a memorable memorable episode. I do remember this one pretty clearly from years, years way back. Um... It's an interesting episode to kind of go back in time to Earth. I mean, we'll we'll see this over and over again throughout Star Trek, but um, this is I believe this is the first time we have. I mean, I think we went to an Earth-like planet before, but we haven't actually gone back in time to Earth yet. I believe this is the first time we've done it. Um, I again, I enjoyed the effects. I th- believe in the original original effects were just kind of an Enterprise kind of just matted in the clouds here. And this in this episode, we get to see you know it kind of flying around and hovering up into the clouds um it's also this I believe this is the um, episode they reference in Star Trek 4 right this is how they go back in time so um overall I thought it was it, it was a good episode I, I would give it a B maybe B minus it's entertaining
0: Steve some of your first thoughts
1: yeah um I like it fine I so there's some kind of goofy stuff um in there um i always remember now of course i remember the the basic premise but i also remember um i always remember kirk and his odd fighting style against all the policemen down there that always cracks me yeah. up where he's tossing himself He like he like throws his body
0: sideways at them yes or something. yeah that, i cool. guess it kind of worked <laughs> out
1: for him but i always remember yeah. that and and there's a lot of uh, silly um popping people on the neck and they're passing out kind of stuff. So there's, there's a lot of the funny fights in this one.
0: Where do you train that? At? Where are they like, alright, people, today <laughs> uh, today in combat I'm going to teach you. You're just going to... Uh, yeah, so... Yeah, we
2: got... We, we got... We
0: got the karate chop from Sulu. I just I was
2: just saying that karate chop.
1: <laughs> right. You have got the yeah the chops that knock people out. So the the fighting's fun. It's kind of like that's a primer on the silly fighting, um, and and the odd time travel theories and just talk and stuff too. Because I guess by now, of course, we're seasoned uh, into seeing all the different ways one can time travel, and we we think we understand <laughs> understand it, or at least we understand the way we talk about it. And this was a little different. You know, back then, how they first tackled it, uh, but you know, it's it, it's got its fun moments, and you know, give them credit
0: for, you know, this being the very first time they're doing that. You know, mm-hmm. in, in modern Star Trek, you would be like, wait, they had, didn't they have classes at Starfleet Academy about technical <laughs> mechanics and you know the dangers yeah. of? But yeah, you know, you kind of mostly dismiss that. the the the, the one thing that still bothers me. Is I I cannot for the life of me understand how
1: <laughs> going to, <laughs> the, the thing really. back in yeah how
0: how going back in time slightly and then beaming um, Captain Christopher and the guard back means they don't remember what happened. Uh, what does that have to do with it? That's the only thing that really really right. They just they, they just had to come up with something quick and easy in the last
2: five yeah they just of the made episode. up some crap yeah. The guy got bit by a spider he had super- <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you know you know what i the thing about this episode it there's reason adam that you were saying you definitely remember it you know I, I think that that image even in the old effects uh but that that image of the enterprise on that sky background is so striking and memorable and and makes this episode so unique uh especially for the original series which i mean how many times do we see the enterprise on anything but but a starfield, you know? Right. Um, so, it, it, even, even in features for decades, that was unusual uh, because, because of the way the matting process worked, you know, it was really hard to make that look good, mm-hmm. you know, until we had like digital compositing in the, in the, in the 90s, really. Um, so, it, that's such a striking image that everybody remembers. Everybody seems to remember this episode. Everybody remembers the episode where the, you know the the fighter jet pilot gets beamed aboard and stuff. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's funny. So far, for the most part, my memories of these episodes—or uh, I should let me rephrase—my memories, my memory of how I felt about individual episodes, for the most part, that has been consistent. Uh, but this is an episode where, honestly, I remembered kind of hating this episode. <laughs> um, but I didn't feel that way watching it this time. I, I mean, it wasn't amazing, but I thought it was, it was fine. And that it actually had enough cool things in it that I, I felt like, um, I don't know, maybe I was too tough on it before. It's, it's just, it's better than I gave it credit for. It's better than I remembered. I feel like.
2: You know, it's kind of interesting, you know, they, with the second, the second guard that gets um beamed up, you know, it's kind of like what i'm sure it was interesting for people in the 60s to think about like what would you do if you were beamed aboard a you know a space, a spaceship that had all you know the you know the food disappears and that kind of stuff so it's kind of fun to think I'm, I'm sure back then it was it was a little bit more fun to think about that now we see that every day on television so we're more inundated with it mm-hmm. so but for people back in the 50s and 60s this was something new and cool
1: i like how they just leave that clown in the transport room the whole time you know he's just <laughs> yeah. seeing the goings on you know he's just Lucky for him, they can give
0: him food in there.
1: Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I
2: found that unusual too. That the, you know, you'd just be eating in the transporter room.
0: Well, that means that the people that were designing the Enterprise were like, well, we need food replicators in the mess hall, and I don't know, the transporter room.
2: Yeah. Well, it gives you it gives you a new, it gives a new meaning to what O'Brien was doing all those years, just sitting in the transporter room. <laughs> yeah, he was eating.
0: Yeah, we well, need to put on more for weight. His coffee. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do like uh, the look on Kirk's face when that security guard gets beamed up. Kirk looks like so <laughs> frustrated, you know yeah yeah yeah. This episode does have some funny lines that bit with uh, is it McCoy that says to Spock, shouldn't you be working on your time warp calculations and Spock is like, oh yeah, I am <laughs> 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 That's great. That's really great. Oh here's a question. is the is Kirk's affectionate computer funny? obviously it's supposed to be funny. I'm not sure. I mean, I, didn't uh,
1: yeah, I thought that, that was stupid. Stuff. I thought that was about yeah. the stupidest yeah. thing.
0: Yeah, I found it pretty stupid. That's probably the reason they don't do that again,
1: huh? Right. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: What do you think they were, they were they just trying to give the enterprise computer a personality or I don't know what they were even trying to go
0: with there.
1: Just... Well, it's it's pretty it's pretty sexist of course, but yeah. you know, back then, I guess. <laughs>
0: Um, I I think that they, they thought at the I think in 1966 1967 that was probably funny.
1: And of course, it makes this assumption that like males do all the programming otherwise, and they program male qualities, whatever the heck that means, into a computer. And or, I don't know. Even though, even
0: though, like moments before, they're showing how how uh, liberated the sexes are. Uh, they show when they show to to captain Christopher this woman working on the crew member right and he's like wow a woman you know yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, see we're we're light years beyond you when it comes to uh, gender equality now let us show you our sexist computer <laughs> yeah. well you know
2: um, well Spock even females you know?
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know I also like you know the the way this episode opens you know the whole I don't know like in that yeah what is it was mm-hmm. immediate rest you know in the, mm-hmm. right in the middle of the uh, story I, I think originally originally this was supposed to pick up off what's what's one of the one of the first uh, episodes arena right arena no oh naked time naked time naked time yeah yeah so naked naked time ends with that sudden time warp bit i mean at some point they they were going to go straight from that episode to tomorrow's yesterday and that time warp was going to be them you know, ending up here. I don't know why that got nixed exactly, but at one point, that was that was the plan. Steve, you, you haven't mentioned it, because both Adam and I talked about about this. I, and like I said, this episode in particular, since I think that a couple of those images of the Enterprise are so striking and in a way iconic uh, on that blue sky background, do you remember this one from, you know, your childhood? Do you, how does this one compare to the way you, you used to watch it?
1: I, I do remember the um, seeing it in the sky like that. And I remember even back then, I remember thinking that doesn't look so hot, you know. I remember thinking, <laughs> I remember thinking that it's. Uh, well, I get the turn to be dramatic about it, you know, with the music and stuff, but it doesn't look so great. Now I thought the yeah the new effects in that regard, yeah, they looked. I, I was thinking this. I, I think throughout all of the episodes we watched for this round for this particular episode of the podcast, I was impressed with it, in a number of different. But spe- I remember in this episode, there's a shot where you you see the moon too, and uh, oh, yeah, yeah I thought that was cool. And yeah, there's a lot of good stuff with that.
2: Yeah, they, the sun shots, you know, them going around the sun were neat.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: A lot of the the new effects here are are pretty good, but when you watch these, say, anywhere near the next-gen stuff, right? you immediately see that these things are dated because there's just a lot of stuff. A lot of the stuff is so flat. You know, it doesn't have some of the shadow work and things like that. With mm-hmm. More detailed models that... Even just a few years later, they were doing on a TV budget for, like, the next-gen remasters. Um, so I do think they look – but I don't know. In, in, I do think they look good, but they don't look as good as some of the next-gen stuff. But I, I guess – I don't know. Maybe on one hand, the fact that it's slightly more printed, almost works for this show.
2: Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, I think if you, you made it look too good, it wouldn't actually – yeah, fit the rest of the look of the show. You almost have to have kind of a primitive look with this, but just because it's the, the time frame, and, and if it looks too good, then it'll look out of place. It'll take you out. I, the thing that I notice about the effects is sometimes they don't really, you know, I notice them, but they don't really take me out of the story. I think if they were, like you said, if they were too good, they would take you out and be like, "Oh my gosh, that's awesome looking!" And then like, "Well, it doesn't fit."
0: If somebody asked you asked you guys I've never seen the original series before I'm gonna start watching it should I watch it with the new effects of the originals what would
1: how, how would you respond to that originals um, now probably either whoever I'm talking to I'd have a conversation about about it you know explaining well here's there's the story these remain in the 60s if you want to watch them I mean you know a purist I mean you want to watch them the first time you know but keep in mind the effects are back but you know I'd have to I'd have that conversation uh, with them but I would All else equal, I'd say watch the original ones. But if they were just if if they turned around and said, you know what, Um, bad effects work pulls me out of a story and I just hate it, I hate it, hate it. I mean, for whatever reason, I'd say, well, then don't don't ruin your experience by doing that. Then go ahead and watch the new effects. But whatever. You'd say the same thing, Adam?
2: Um, no. I think I'd just tell them to watch the new effects, just because you know most people aren't gonna watch the show more than once. So, I mean, I think I'd just tell them to watch the new effects. And I think the reason I would say that is because they're in line with what I think um, they wanted the show to look like. There's nothing that goes, you know, a lot. I think most of the effects are kind of subtly or kind of subtle. There's not too much that's effect wise in your face. I mean, there's a few shots here and there and they're like, well, wow, that's something new and different. So I think I would just tell them to go and watch the new stuff just because I think the way it was explained, how they did it, and the way that I've experienced it so far was in keeping with the show's, You know, the, the way the the original people who made the show wanted it to look.
1: I just wish someone would ask me that question ever. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh... I can't okay, imagine any scenario where a coworker or a friend. Or... Yeah,
0: that's a very good point. <laughs> but hey, it's got to be. You know, Star Trek does still get new fans.
1: Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Yeah.
2: I think the planets. I think. I think if nothing else, just for the planets, because you know, in the in the original ones, you know, the planets are just basically glowing balls in most of the most of the episodes.
1: I mean, I guess the the people that listen to this podcast, you know, there might be some out there that just listened to us all the way through and started us with another series that maybe haven't seen all of the original series. I don't know, but uh, maybe this conversation can add some insight into what choices they make. You know, what is
0: tomorrow's yesterday about?
2: Well it deals with the first off, I mean I guess the dangers of time travel and how it might affects, affect affect timelines. So in the, in that respect it's you know, it's it's pretty much a common theme in all kind of time related um episodes, whether it's Star Trek or any other science fiction show. So I think it talks about the dangers of um affecting the timeline.
1: Yeah, I mean I don't it's hard to kinda come up with a theme or some kind of moral stance really, but yeah, maybe it's like because it's because it's essentially cleaning up things from, you know, it's, I don't know, it's almost like you know, small mistakes can have big impacts, you have to clean up your messes and so on, but I don't know beyond that, really.
0: Alright, um, so, um, uh, an average episode with some memorable visuals. Yeah, yeah. 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 All Alright. Let's do Six Degrees for Tomorrow as Yesterday. Adam, are you going first or second? Um, I guess I'll go first. John Winston plays Kyle, the transported chief. You should go to if you're hungry. (laughs) 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 He reprised this role multiple times in the original series. Was that... Did he reprise the role uh, three times? Seven times? Or eleven times?
2: I'll go with seven.
0: No. I will not pass that off to Steve, but what, what for a real point? But what would you have said, Steve?
1: Mm, three. Oh, it was eleven. Wow, actually. that many times. Okay. I know,
0: freaky, huh? <laughs> uh, Steve, he also played Kyle in one movie. Kyle served under Captain Terrell. In which movie?
1: Um, two.
0: That's right. Uh, Steve has one. We are moving on. <laughs>
1: Court Martial Season 1, Episode 20, Production Code 015, Original Air Date February 2nd, 1967. Directed by Mark Daniels, Story by Don Mankiewicz and Stephen Carabatzos, Teleplay by Don Mankiewicz, Music composed by Alexander Courage. Guest cast include Elisha Kirk Jr. as Samuel T. Cogley, Percy Rodriguez as Commodore Stone, Joan Marshall as Lieutenant Ariel Shaw, Richard Webb as Lieutenant Commander Ben Finney, Hagen Beggs as Helmsman, Winston DeLugo as Timothy, Alice Rawlings as Jamie Finney, Nancy Wong as personnel officer, Bart Conrad as Captain Krasnovsky, William Leader as Captain Lindstrom, and Reginald Lai Singh as Captain Nancy Chandra. During an
2: Ion storm, Captain Kirk is forced to eject a research pod containing Lieutenant Commander Benjamin Finley to prevent the destruction of the ship. Finley is presumed dead the damaged ship makes its way to Starbase 11 for repairs. Commodore Stone, commanding Starbase 11, reviews the ship's records and discovers that Kirk ejected the pod while the ship was at yellow alert and not red alert, as Kirk claimed. Because the ship was not yet in serious danger, Kirk is suspected of misconduct and killing Finley. You have to be either an obsessive crackpot who's escaped from his keeper or a Samuel T. Cogley attorney at law. Right
1: on both counts. Need a lawyer? <laughs> I'm afraid so.
0: Court martial, folks. This is one of my favorite episodes of uh, the original series, and this is funny because, uh, for example, I've mentioned I'm occasionally playing these some of these episodes for my five year old. This would be an example of an episode I did not play for Mm -hmm. my five year old. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. He would have been bored out of his mind on this one. But you know, the previous episode just tonight we were talking about um, the new VFX and versus the old VFX, and you know, and all this. But at the end of the day. Anybody that's listened to our podcast for a while, you know what I love and it's good acting and good writing and uh, boy, if there's any one episode of the original series that shows why Shatner is so good and so even even with people knowing he's good, I think vastly um, underrated on this show, uh, it's this episode. He is so good in this episode. The way he's, like, so, like, intense, but composed. And and a lot of the times, I mean, he'll be saying lines that, like, I don't even think, I I don't really understand what the heck he just said, which means I know he doesn't understand what he's talking about. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Uh, But, boy, he made me believe it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, There's just so many scenes that, over and over in this episode, as I watch this episode, I just think about how much I, I... I love uh, this episode, and you know, subsequently the original series in Star Trek. Um, but you know, you, the scenes where Kirk is talking to who is it, the Commandant? I think I forget. Um, you know, kind of near the beginning, he's like, you know, about the general court martial. Uh, you know, I demand it. You know, um, that scene he has with uh, the the woman who will be his prosecutor. You know. When she tells him that she's the prosecutor, you know, again, his acting, it's, it's just, he's got so much range in this episode, but he's hes always the captain. When Cogley first gets him on the stand, you know, and he's got like one hand on that thing, and he's razor-focused, composed, and he's just good. He's really good. This is the Shatner that I love right here. You know, people, you know, would make fun of the occasional overacting or something, but they need to watch Court Martial. <laughs> what are some of you guys' first thoughts on Kurt Marshall?
2: Um, I thought it was a strong episode, too. I don't know if I'd go as far as to say it's my favorite episode of the original series. but
0: I didn't say No, no. I did not say it was my favorite. I said it's one of my favorites. One
2: of your favorites. Okay.
0: This would certainly be in my top ten of the original series.
2: Okay. Um, fair enough. Um, no, yeah, I would agree with you on um, Shatner's performance. It was really good. Um, Stone, I thought, was really good. This is, um, you know, if, if you were living in the, you know, if you watched this episode in the 60s, it had to be um, this in a way it had to be kind of a uh, interesting you know cuz you had a black man who was commodore and in charge of this this trial mm-hmm. or something like that so i mean you know i think that was one of the things that you look at star trek not maybe not particular this episode and the the series as a whole is it um, you know it it makes people you know there's no difference between and so i kind of know made me think about that you know and from the time frame now obviously today that you know that's commonplace there's so anyway i thought the actor Stone did a good job in in the in the role too, playing head to head against Kirk.
1: Yeah, I, I enjoyed this episode. I, I I probably would could say top ten as well in the original series, and I, I agree too on the the diversity in this. You know, you see a whole lot of different people, and it's not really the tension's not called to it. So it's it's it, you know it's a good example of them, you know, in the original series bringing a lot of different. Uh, uh, groups of different backgrounds individual different backgrounds into the show um, yeah it's it's a, this is a, this is a solid you know that's it's generally speaking courtroom things tend to work well in star trek and we've talked about that before but yeah this is this is really interesting you get some characterization you get some history and there's also a lot of uh funny stuff too i mean there's a the great who's that guy moment. Those When they're fighting, it's oh, who's yeah. that guy galore. I just love it. I wrote, who's that guy big time? <laughs> right, right, right. You're just like, oh, let's watch this fight with these other guys. Who are these guys? And then you get some fun silliness that, you know, um, what I was going to say? Oh, the uh, I wrote, <laughs> one of my notes is, one of the fourth power is one. You know when he says something like, <laughs> one to the fourth power because <laughs> they don't say one times ten to the something, they say just it's to the one to the fourth power. Okay, well, um, and then the funny—the microphone is turning off people's heartbeats. You know, that's silly, but yeah, I'm—I'm mean, just saying these things because they're entertaining. But it's—but um, yeah, it's the episode's good, and it's—it's it's definitely a the kind of episode you I know back and forth. So I must have really been into it at the time, and um, it's has a lot of um, repeat value when you're watching it. So when you say. Uh,
0: courtroom dramas tend to work well on Star Trek, and that's why they've. It's one of the reasons they've done so many of those. Also, keep in mind this was the first one. You know. Yes. Yeah. In uh, time, you know, we when we were doing uh, Measure of a Man or. Uh, the... No, would you count
1: Menagerie? Yeah, I was about to say. Uh, Spot. That's the only, That's kind of. Almost. I
0: guess yeah, kind of, but. You know, we're talking. What we're we're really talking about, like Measure of a Man, D- Drumhead, mm-hmm. right? Was it? Right, right. Um, right. uh, ugh, the the one where Worf destroyed that ship on DS Nine. Yeah, know? yeah. So I I guess Menagerie is yeah. I'll I'll give it to you halfway. I'll say that Menagerie is like the prototype of here, but this one is like a this one's full on yeah. a full on courtroom. You know, mm-hmm. that's more like an um, like a little version of that or something, but. Um to me this is really the 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 prototype for all the courtroom drama Star Trek stuff going forward. You're right there's uh, there's a little bit of an inherent drama in a courtroom but uh, you know Cogley that that actor he he does a solid job. I think he's good. Um a couple of the times some of the writing on him it's it's almost like flourish for flourish's sake or something. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't doesn't exactly mean anything sometimes but it's, it's fine it's never it's never bad mostly for me this episode is uh Shatner's, you know moment to shine the, you know when i think about my favorite performances of his I, I mean i'm just off the top of my head i'm i mean i'm thinking about this and sitting on the edge of forever and i you know i have other episodes that you know maybe maybe we'll see when we get there but maybe doomsday uh machine will still be my favorite favorite episode of the original series, maybe, but it would not be what I would call, you know, Shatner's tour de force. To me, this one is up there with sitting on the edge forever for, you know, really showing off his his abilities. Um, And not just that, but why he was just the perfect, Star Trek was the perfect thing for this moment in Shatner, the actor's life, Mm -hmm. and vice versa. Yeah. You know, it, it was just this perfect, of course, exact same thing with Nimoy. Exact same thing, you know, perfect uh, uh, lightning striking uh, in so many ways. All these little things is what, you know, made us sit here and, and still watch and talk about Star Trek 50 years later. This is the episode where you see uh, why and how Shatner was so good and was such a big part of the success of, Popularity of Star Trek. So,
2: hey Brian, remind me real quick. So, in Measure of, of a Man, so the they so the judge was um, a woman that had a relationship with Picard, right? So that was a little bit of a different mm-hmm. play. From the, do you think that was a little bit of different play off of this one? Or
0: yeah, I, I mean, in my research for this episode, I, I I saw some people reference that you know that that's what that Measure of a Man was doing something similar in that way. But there's actually a. I almost asked a Six Degrees question about it, but um, because there really isn't anybody... any There isn't an actor in this episode to do our normal Six Degrees, but I just couldn't find a way to ask it without it being too, I don't know, obscure. But there is a reference uh, in J.J.'s first Star Trek movie to this episode. Um, you guys aware of this? Uh, the actress that played Jamie, that's, that's Finney's daughter. Oh, yeah? Uh-huh. That actress... Um, Alice. I can't remember her name. Something, Alistair Alice, or something. At yeah, any rate, uh,
1: Alice Rawlings.
0: Yes, uh, one of the people in at Kirk's. One of the judges at Kirk's tribunal near the beginning of Oh, interesting. JJ's movie. Oh. That's her name, and you actually see her name. They and they did name it after this actress from this court martial episode. Mm-hmm. You do see her name in in like a name tag in front of her. Hmm. Interesting in that episode in, in that movie. But I mean that's really bloody obscure. I would right, definitely I would right. never in a million years know read it. You know, sure, sure. Never ever know that.
1: You mentioned um, and th- and that reminds me of a scene. You mentioned uh, how good uh, Shatner is in this, but then of course Nimoy as well. But I was struck by that scene where this Jamie came in and she's freaking out, right? You know, in the in the beginning mm-hmm. of the episode, and and Spock and, and Nimoy had to play that where like he's slightly startled because emotions, he's like, it's like it shakes him a tiny bit, you know, and and he, and he does that just perfectly where it's not like so over the top where you're thinking, it's subtle, you know, but because, because she's so nuts or whatever, when she comes out that he, he does something, he has to do something, but you know, you almost miss it or whatever, you know, it's, he's so good.
0: When he sits down and the prosecutor, uh, he was like the very, yeah, he was the very first witness. Uh, When she, when he, she, he sits down and she is, Interviewing him, he is so like reserved, but you know, in the way that of course Spock is. But I that that mm-hmm. sequence with him in particular, the, the camera's sitting on him for a while. I mean, he's almost doing nothing. Like his whole body is—he's mm-hmm. sitting in this Leonard Nimoy <laughs> position, right—and mm-hmm. he's just yeah. speaking some words and looking at her. And I, and it's one of those moments where I often think, it must be so hard to do so little sometimes. Right, mm-hmm. he has to find something, such a calm place to have that that kind of scene. I
1: don't know. Well, yeah, and that, that's and everyone doing playing Vulcan after him had to live up to that. And that's what that's what it was so hard for many to grasp was that that whole thing is like you're not doing nothing, right. but you're you're barely doing something, and what you barely do has to have meaning. You know, and that that's the challenge.
2: There's never nothing going on, Brian. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, um, what is this episode about?
2: <laughs> well, it's about a trial, Brian. Come on.
0: Oh. <laughs> Wait. Oh, you can't say this episode is really good and then not have an answer for what it's about.
2: Um, I, I was I was thinking about that before we started the podcast. I had scribbled down a few things. Um,
1: there's a lot going on.
2: I guess yeah. it's that there's a lot going on. I mean, you know, um, you know, for Kirk, it's about um. A lot of it, I think a lot of it had to do with trusting his own convi- conviction and what he had done and what he hadn't done. I mean, because so often through the episode, it would have been even, it would have been easy for him just to go, okay, I made a mistake. I, I did kill this man. But um, conviction in one's own beliefs, I think, is, is, is one of the things that's part of this, you know. Emotion. yeah, I,
0: He has that one moment to last seconds, yes. you know, and he turns around and he says, no, I know, I know what I did, you know, but, but that's it. That's the only time, you know, and it's, um, you know, and he trusted himself. He knew,
2: he knew the training, you know, he kind of went through that whole monologue, you know, the training, this is what I went through my whole life to do. So, in you know, he kind of went through all that little, that self doubt that maybe, and then he just, he knew that he hadn't. And that's like what you were talking about earlier in the podcast, Brian, that that's Captain Kirk. It's not that it's, um, Cocky or arrogant or anything like that. He just, he knows. What he's doing all the time, and I think that's one of the reasons that you know the character is so beloved, and you believe him, and that's a credit to to Shatner's um, acting ability.
1: Right, and uh, you know, and it, I know we're kind of now now going around. We talk about what it's about, but now we're talking about Shatner again. But yeah, I do think it's about this this conviction and the whole thing that makes Captain Kirk, and it's also why it makes it such a good vehicle for Shatner and showing off his acting for Kirk, because you know I, I think this this is kind of like Kirk is confidence meets competence. You know, you've got a high level of both, you know, and, and the, under, and the, um, awareness to, to take risks when it's appropriate. You put all that together and you, you got that, you know, you've got that, it, it's Kirk, you know, it's what he is and Shatner doing that. And, and so, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's about, it's, it's almost like it's sticking to your guns, doing what's right. And then, um, you know sometimes you have to
2: face the consequences uh, of that yeah you
1: have to you have to deal with sometimes we're challenged to do that sometimes we know what's right and we think when we stand up to it and it doesn't always work out but for him it has here you know you 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 surround yourself with good people and uh competent people and go through all this and you know but uh yeah it's it's standing up for what you know to be true and sticking to your guns or whatever
2: yeah, because in this, I mean, you know, he put everything on the line, you know, his, yeah. not just his career, but his reputation and, you know, you know possibly his freedom, you know, because he could mm-hmm. if this all went south, he could have been imprisoned.
1: Yeah. And I will add that they probably should reconsider putting a jettison pod button next to the red alert button. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. I like how it was labeled, too. I was like,
0: I was a At
1: the very pod least, it needs to be kind of like a pop-up. Are you sure when you <laughs> have jettison pods? I don't know. <laughs> There's still a dude in there.
0: Who <laughs> to say that? Still a dude in the pod <laughs> no, I, I like how you've got this this camera that's like a wide angle camera that looks like it's up in the corner of the of the bridge which is where you would expect a security camera or something recording events like that to be but then when he reaches for that button there's a nice camera to cut in really nice close up <laughs> yeah. it's amazing technology that right, they have right. this constant close up camera from the other angle mm-hmm. on the jettison the pod jettison button <laughs> yeah <laughs> Alright, let's do Six Degrees for Court Martial. Uh, Steve has one. Adam, you went first last time. Steve, are you going first or second? I'll go first. Name the two series regulars that do not appear in this episode.
1: Okay. Um, I assume we're not counting Chekhov because he's not in the first season at all, right? Correct. Okay. Um, Let's see. If I only get one right, do you pass this off to Adam? No. No. Okay. Let me think, let me think, let me think. Sulu and Scotty? You are correct. Mm. Good going.
0: (laughs) Adam. Yes? Uh, This is a stretch, but it's true. The bell that gets rung to start the court-martial hearing is used again in Next Gen's fifth season when Wesley Crusher faces a Starfleet Academy hearing. Name that episode.
2: I know the episode, I just don't know the name. Um What
0: is the cadets No, I can't say that, that's scared. <laughs>
2: yeah, I have no idea what the name of the episode is.
0: Steve.
1: Okay, let me uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> um
0: I guess I shouldn't do so many episode name questions. Oh well
2: alright, I'm sure there's somebody out there listening right now. You morons! It's this! Yeah, there's somebody
0: <laughs> screaming into
1: their car. Oh, no. oh yeah. Well, not right now, because we're recording it. They haven't heard well, it yet. Yeah, okay. um, They're hearing
2: us right now going, What's yes, going on? Yes. Did you call yourselves Trek Podcasters? Stop no, kidding. I'm um, kidding.
1: <laughs> well, I remember the name of the group he was with. I think it was Red Squad, so I'll just say that. But I can't remember the name of the episode.
0: First Duty. First Duty. <laughs> 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 I don't know. Somehow I was going to ask about your daughter's first duty no, you're I, talking about firsts first, yeah. you know, baby firsts and stuff
1: there's been so many duties I don't even think about the first of that so.
0: first one
2: was long ago
1: there's duties going on before she's even here <laughs> alright so Steve has uh, two moving on The Return of the Archons Season 1, Episode 21 Production Code 022 Original air date February 9th, 1967 Directed by Joseph Pevney Story by Gene Roddenberry Teleplay by Boris Sobelman Music composed by Alexander Courage Guest cast include Harry Towns as Rager Torin Thatcher as Marpion Brioni Farrell as Tula Sid Haig as First Lawgiver Charles McCauley as Landrew John Lormer as Tamar Morgan Farley as Hakorn, Christopher Hyde as Sociologist Lindstrom, Eddie Paskey as Mr. Leslie, Sean Morgan as Lieutenant O'Neill, Ralph Moore as Bill R., David L. Ross as Guard, and Walker Edmondson as Voice of Third lawgiver. The Enterprise arrives at the planet Beta-3,
2: where the USS Archon was reported lost nearly 100 years earlier. When Kirk sends down a landing party, Lieutenant Sulu is the only member who beams up from the planet's surface and exhibits strange behavior. Kirk beams down with another party to investigate. They find the inhabitants living in a static 19th century Earth-style culture with little or no individual expression or creativity. The entire culture is ruled over by cloaked lawgivers controlled by a reclusive dictator known as Landru. Your statement is irrelevant. You will be Obliterated. The good of the body is the prime directive. Good of the body, Captain. That's the key. Yes.
0: Alright, the Return of the Archons. Steve, you can kick us off, and I'm hoping that you can explain to me something I haven't really understood. Return of the Archons makes no sense to me. It kind of never has, and I'm really hoping. That Steve, right now, you're gonna explain it
1: to me and all of our listeners. Go. Uh, well, if you're talking about like the Archons and the title and what they're saying, I I don't know. I think what they may be trying to do is that whatever some in the past, a some kind a ship, Federation ship, Starfleet ship, whatever, crashed there, whatever. I don't know why they even bother with that, because it doesn't matter, but apparently that crew got absorbed into this bunch as well, and for some reason, they think they could be more of these. this group coming back there. I don't know how that's relevant in the least, why, let alone why it's the title of the episode, but I think that must be what they're trying to go for with that, but it really is has nothing to do with... Well, yeah, I
0: was so actually hard. asking a, in way more generally about this episode, I oh. don't understand it at all.
1: Oh, uh, you know, it's just one of these, um, everyone's, like, some, you know, the com- this fear of computers that apparently was pervasive in this in the t- this time, because we see it so often in Trek, in the original series, and, uh, it's taken over and made everyone, like, robots, there's a little bit of this, uh, um throw in this notion of periodically they all have an orgy or whatever and, uh... Like that one, like that movie series that's out now, whatever. Kind of like that nonsense or whatever. And, uh... Then they all are dressed kind of like old-fashioned some... Pilgrimish? I don't know what's going on there. And, uh... (laughs) And then we wrap it up with talking the computer to death. It's one of these talking the computer to deaths, for sure. And, um... There you go. All
0: right. Well, that that totally sums it up. makes <laughs> it makes perfect sense now. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, I think I would kind of agree with both you guys. I think this episode probably looked. I'm just guessing. It probably looked a lot better on paper than it actually translated the screen. I sure hope so. I mean, I think <laughs> I I think I think you know when we get to the to the end of this, where we talk about what this episode is about, I think they're actually trying to say something in this episode. It just doesn't translate very well for a lot of different reasons. I'm the same with you, Brian. I'm like the first 10 15 minutes I'm like what are who are the archi- who what is what is this prophecy? What's I was just like and then I was just like all right, I don't worry about it. i will just keep watching cuz I was I was confused too cuz I was like did I miss something? Do I need to rewind
0: it? What does, it ha- what does the everybody-going-nutball-crazy-pants-banana-time have to do with the rest of the story, too? Like, I don't understand that. Yeah. There's 6 p.m. You're right now. That's, that's another
1: example of something that's a non-sequitur. That, the Archons, there's so many things that they throw in that have nothing to do with it, and it's almost like they just, like, oh, uh, we have to fill in a little more time, let's throw in some more nonsense, you know, And you, instead of let's flesh this out and make something cohesive out of it, you know?
2: Yeah, because, I mean, like I said, I think this episode could have been a lot better, but, it, yeah, it was just kind of unorganized and not thought out very well.
0: Steve, are you saying that, from something you said a minute ago, that giving them the 12 hour orgy is what is a necessary like outlet for, for the humans to be calm the rest of the time? Is that what no,
1: I, I kind of, I kind of wondered if that's what they were trying to say. I mean, there's not enough evidence to suggest that's exactly what they were trying to say, but I, I don't know what else to, to figure here. You know, I, I, I half wondered when this was going on that, well, maybe that's the, uh, this landrew the computer, or whatever, its way of, propagating the species still, even. I don't know. You know, it could be that, or it could just be an outlet so everyone maintains this, strict kind of code, behavior, whatever, and then so they don't go nuts periodically, they just let them go, you know, crazy all over, but... But older people,
2: yeah, I didn't quite get why the older people were... I didn't Well, that,
1: that's, just, what I mean, that's what makes me think it's a, it's a sexual thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, Charlie Chaplin had
0: kids when he was
1: in his 70s, so did Jim sure, sure, so. James Doohan. James Doohan. Yeah, so, it's, so, it's not, those, so this, there's an ageism in this episode. Yeah,
2: though. well, <laughs> the, yeah, the the underground, I didn't even understand the underground, the... the the three, yeah, there's three, but I don't know who all
0: of them are, and we're the underground i
1: right? yeah, see that's not see there's just another problem
0: <laughs> i i I wouldn't say I hate this episode, I would just say that i I've never understood it, even when I was younger, it just it kind of baffled me it it's like I feel like I would have to understand it a little bit better to hate it.
1: <laughs> it's kind of like if you if you picked up a a science fiction book that was volume thirty two of <laughs> And then just try to, and, you, and all you can do is really accept the basic tenets of the story and just assume all this other crap must be stuff I didn't see before and I, I'm not aware of.
0: You guys ever see that, that I think it was a John Borman movie, I don't remember, but it, the, the 70s sci-fi movie Zardoz with Sean Connery? I have not. Okay, that movie is, is, is definitely, you know... Banana Pants, uh, crazy, (laughs) but most people consider it one of the worst movies ever made, but to me, it's just, it's just an example of, it's so, it's so weird that, like, I'm so confused that I feel like I can't hate it, because I, I don't, I don't understand it enough to hate it, and I think that's kind of what I feel like with Return of the Archons. Maybe this is bad, maybe. Maybe.
1: I'm not sure, and therein lies the genius of this episode. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> they, they just they just added enough oddities and non sequitur weirdness to make you think that to make it think, oh, it's just there's something deep here, and I'll, I'm just not going to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's that's, it that's, it, that's the, it. that's the way to get out of. That's one way to get out of a big mess is you just keep adding it until it's over the top. And you yeah, just it's like on. they've
0: got their script, and they're like, this is bad. <laughs> Let's just make it so that like nobody understands it. The old yeah. people are rebelling, and oh, I see where you're going. Now it'll be just <laughs> nutty yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: uh, well, you think? Yeah, this episode's just full of extremes. You know, we talked about the orgies. We talked about the you know the the dicta you know the authoritarian style of you know, it's just, you know, very extreme throughout this episode, like standards of living. I don't know if that's what it's tra- – I don't, I don't know if that's what it's trying to say. I mean, you know, you hinted at it a minute ago, Stephen, about, you know, um, technology. But I, don't, I kind of thought, well, maybe, you know, the – cults, it kind of felt more cultish mm-hmm. to me than more more technology, you know like, you know, the dangers of being a cult, you know
1: Yeah, and there's that one guy on the landing party that is just obsessed with that guy's daughter, you know, it just keeps <laughs> letting, letting <laughs> yeah. her out there, what, what, are you, what are you thinking? You know, it's like, hey,
2: shut up <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I I like the moment so, yeah, Kirk says to Spock you know, it's kind of near the end, he says Kirk says to Spock, you're thinking the same thing I am and then I'm pretty sure this Spock says, yes, sir, you must talk the computer to death.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, kind that of is. What yeah. uh,
0: So it is worth talking about, and Steve, you mentioned it already, uh, that this is kind of the first episode where... This is this, this is the first Star Trek episode where Kirk talks the computer to death. Mm-hmm. I saw somebody saying, well, there was the... Um, who was that big robot guy? Um, Rook? Nurse, nurse yeah, yeah, Rook. Nurse Chapel's, he... Nurse Chapel's old flame Thug. Corbett. Sure, sure. But I don't I don't think... I mean, he talks him into doing something a little loony, you know. But, uh, no, no, no. This is the first time, really, talking the computer to death. Because the robot's not the same.
1: Thing. This is the class that they later, you know, in Starfleet Academy, they later replaced with temporal mechanics and how-to, was talking the computer <laughs> to death. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so you know that's why you you never saw Picard do that, right? Because he didn't have that class.
1: Yeah, they <laughs> did. Yeah, yeah, they. Picard raised.
0: had the temporal mechanics class. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's basically like, hey, now divide by. Z- divide by zero. or it's, it's this kind of thing, you know, like, or something that instead of, no computer is sophisticated enough, apparently, in this time period, to <laughs> you understand, like, unsolvable, move on. It, it doesn't do that. Instead, loop and blow up. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: if I was computer. programming it, I wouldn't have given it the ability to blow up. That's just me. <laughs> yeah, you know, that, this episode has, like, it has so much exposition. Every, it's so many scenes where they're They're explaining to me, trying to explain to me uh, what the hell is going on, and I still don't understand. That's what gets me. (laughs) There's like all these scenes. I'm serious. Where, like those those three old guys we were talking about, they have a scene where they explain everything to Kirk, and then there has to be another scene where, when there's only two of them or one of them, whatever, they have to explain everything to Kirk because nobody understands what they said, right? Uh, What's
2: going on? (laughs) Yeah. I was gonna say, how do the hollow sticks work? So apparently they can kill people and blow crap up. And apparently it it's just them. a
1: hollow stick, yet it still can kill somebody.
0: <laughs> I was like, what?
1: You were going to say something about the Prime well,
0: Directive? Well, the, the,
1: the Prime Directive. So obviously they talk about the Prime Directive, but it's... The way they use it is... Pretty, <laughs> I mean... Pretty loose. You know, he throws in that little... You know, extra thing about oh, it's got to be a growing culture, living, growing culture. Oh, okay, well that gets them around anything, you know, because it's, it's this subjective notion up. Hey, I don't think they're growing enough here, or it's not living by my standards, so I'm going to interfere and you know, throw it away.
2: But yeah, by that point they'd already interfered anyway. Just being, just yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know how the prime, because they were there. What look, were what were they there for? Were they looking for survivors of the Archon?
1: That's yet another mystery.
2: (laughs) I don't really even kind of get why they were there. Did they go there looking for the Archon, They find a civilization, and decided to check it out? Yeah, it was kind of vague.
1: Maybe it's Shore Leap. Mm. I don't know what they're doing.
2: It's um, Westworld down there.
0: Maybe it wasn't fair for me the way I kicked off the discussion about this episode, you know, immediately giving it the tone that I did. But I really do. I really have always found this episode confusing. Um, I I do remember. the beginning where Sulu gets shot with the goofy ray. But other than that, I've always been like, I don't even remember it that well. Like I mix it up with a lot of other episodes. I mean, does this, does this episode stand out to you guys? Was I being I don't know, a little too, little too harsh or...
2: No, I think it, it's, uni- you know what? I'll give it this. It's unique because I don't think I, we've ever talked about an episode where we were, where we were confused about what was going on.
1: You know what? I, rem- I mean, I remember this. Um, but I guess I just kind of when I think back on it before I watched it, I just think of it the the very basic stuff. I didn't like think of oh here's this episode that has all sorts of little bits that don't make any sense altogether. I just thought of it as the the culture run by a computer and they're all kind of puritanical and he talks the computer to death. I mean that's all I think of, you know, and I don't think it's the worst thing ever. I just that's all that's all it's in my head. You know, it's kind of just a very basic whatever and you
2: know so so Brian I think this is one of these weird episodes that it's not a good episode but it still has something to say
0: which is what what's it about
2: um I you know I think we've alluded to you know the the dangers of technology for for me is also you know the dangers of cultism you know extremes extreme living you know I that's kind of what I got from it too you know you can't just run around for 12 hours raping and pillaging and on the other hand you can't just be a mindless zombie either so
1: yeah it's yeah it's kind of like if you if you have a an order in a, in a society that's such where you know basically all the creativity is taken away that you live in a certain way and a standard and that's absolute um it's it's it can't grow you know you're gonna end up in this static authoritarian yeah it's just a static and uh static situation and it's and it's not really like well like they said it if indeed the prime directive says it doesn't apply to a living, it only applies to living, growing cultures. Well, this is, this is not a growing culture, certainly. And uh, you know, change is change is part of life, and it's part of cultures. If if that goes away, then it, it's probably a situation where, for whatever reason, uh, creativity has been taken out of this situation. Um, everyone's forced to live in a certain way, et cetera, et cetera. So it just becomes robotic.
0: All right. Well. If that's what they were going for, then maybe it's worth something. <laughs> 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 Let's do Six Degrees for the Return of the Archons. I believe Steve has two. Steve, are you going first or second? I'll go first. John Lormer plays Tamar, the old man that doesn't last long, as a Landrew dissident. He previously played a fake recreation of a scientist marooned on Talos Four. in what episode or episodes of the original series? The Menagerie. Very good. Adam, Lormer again played an old man in the original series' third season. Fill in the blanks for this episode title. For the world is blank, and I have touched the blank.
2: For the world is blank, and I have touched the blank?
0: Yes, you need to fill in the blanks.
2: I think I'm going to get a zero today.
1: Go for it, Steve. For the world is hollow, and I have touched the sky.
0: Very good. You know, you were ahead, so you could have had more fun filling in alternate nouns, play a little yeah, Mad Hems. No yeah, I thing. wasn't,
1: yeah, <sighs> on my feet, was thinking on my feet enough there, I guess.
0: Yeah, well, we are a family show, so I would have...
1: Hmm. Yeah.
0: All right, um, so I'm glad we got to talk about, well, honestly, all these episodes, but especially uh, Court Martial. I've been looking forward to that one for a while, and, and I even remember I'm, I'm sure I brought it up. I'm sure I brought up court-martial during our DS9 or uh, and or next-gen discussions over the years. So that was cool. So, um, hey, did, real quick, did you guys see the uh, the news today? They officially announced... Yep. Um, actors. Michelle Yeoh is on Discovery. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And a couple of other actors that I wasn't familiar with, but, mm-hmm. but Michelle Yeoh, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. We're getting there. What is it a June what did they say Jan- I think they said May is the last the last time they delayed it they said may so we'll see um, they have to be shooting like certainly right after Christmas they got to start shooting right um, like January they have to be shooting if not sooner but the fact that that's all the casting they've announced I'm, I'm guessing maybe we're not gonna they're not gonna shoot until after the holiday but
2: you know so they don't have their lead yet
0: nope. They have not cast the lead. Supposedly, they're trying to go for someone a little bit unknown, but uh, the la- the rumor was that they were looking for a Latina, maybe. But uh, we'll see. So, I am slightly excited about a new Star Trek television series. <laughs> <laughs> just slightly. Yeah, just slightly. All right, folks. Thank you so much for spending an hour with us. You can follow us uh Facebook. That's facebook.com slash Trek Companion. Our Twitter handle is at TrekCompanion. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. As of this moment, our holiday episode will not be two weeks from now. We're going to do another regular episode two weeks from now. But then our holiday episode will be the one after that, in which we are in the very least going to be discussing Star Wars Rogue One. Uh, you know, totally spoiler discussion. after. I mean, this will be right after the movie comes out, so... Um, and maybe we'll talk about some other stuff too if you have any uh, suggestions trekcompanion at gmail.com let us know or uh, shoot us a tweet at trekcompanion alright folks, so thanks again for spending an hour with us and until next time, take it easy bye guys see ya I passed it.